I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I have to start out right off the bat reading a review that I just saw today. It's from Char Mary B. I put this on my Instagram, so I'm sorry if you've already seen it, and it says, not the cut, but cute. After the cut on Tuesdays took a turn for the worse, I was looking for a new podcast that talked about stories from the cut. Been listening to Kinda Cute for six months now and only just realized that it's completely unaffiliated with my favorite online mag. I feel dumb and confused, but also I like it. And way to go, Bailey, for convincing me that you were employed by the cut. Smiley face. First off, please don't feel dumb or confused. I mean... Ideally, I would love to be associated and affiliated with the cut, but just in case anyone is feeling similarly bamboozled, I just did not think I was doing that convincing of a job to make you think I worked for the cut. But to to clear it up, I am a lawyer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I do this podcast because I love pop culture and I love the cut and they write in a way that I find very engaging and I love talking about the articles. Just to clear that up for anyone else who's out there wondering, but thank you for writing a review. Anyone who takes the time to write a review, it really means a lot to me. And if you haven't yet, go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and it would make my day. I always read them. Even if they're not nice, I read them, but I would love if you left a nice one. And as a reminder, you can always follow me at Bailey Evan on Instagram or at Kind of Cute Podcast on Instagram. And I also have a YouTube channel, which you can find by searching at Bailey Evan. Okay, now that I got my little plugs out of the way, I want to talk about my last weekend. I went to see my friend Emily for her birthday. Happy belated birthday, Emily. Um, It was fun going up there. She lives in Destin, and she moved during COVID, and I haven't seen her since all of that. And I finally got my vaccine last week, and I was like, okay, we're we're going. My friend Megan and I, I made the drive. Guys, the drive is, is no joke. Uh, cause Destin's up in the panhandle and I live in South Florida and Florida is shock- shockingly long and big. And, you know, I don't know if this is something you realize about Florida unless you live here or if you've visited multiple parts about it, but each area really has its own distinct vibe. And I'm originally from the East coast of central Florida and now I live on the East coast of South Florida. I was born in Jacksonville, which is up in the North. And like I said, Destin's over in the panhandle which is up north, and it basically borders, like, Alabama. And let me tell you, I was so shocked when I was up there because it was like COVID had never happened. There, like, waiters weren't wearing masks. People were making sushi not wearing masks. And I know people joke about Florida that, like, we haven't acted like it's existed here in a while, but I can tell you that in West Palm, you know, if you go in any store, everyone's wearing a mask. You wear it when you're at a restaurant. You wear it till you sit at your table. Like, it's pretty, you know, abided by here. And I'm up in North Florida like, oh, my God, my vaccine is not fully kicked in yet. I, I was having an existential crisis. <laughs> and I was just like, how is this vibe so different up here? But other than that, I had a great time. And it's really beautiful up there. The beaches up there are so nice. But, yeah, I felt like I was in a time warp. It was the closest I felt to pre-COVID existence since, you know, February 2020. And on that same line, uh, Jacksonville is hosting 
MGK, Machine Gun Kelly. You know, weirdly, we like to talk about him on this podcast, and he's having a concert up in Jack's. Literally, it's next week. I think it's April 23rd. And there was a part of me that was so starved for a concert, and I was like, of course, up in North Florida. Again, no shade. I was born in Jacksonville. I lived in Jacksonville Beach like the first five years of my life. This is not shade towards them. It's just it feels like a different world to a certain extent. And the fact that he's performing there, I'm just like... (laughs) I don't know. I just want to go, but I'm not going to, but like I want to. Uh, my friends, Elena, Matt, and Tasha love the Architectural Digest home tours as much as I do. So they had a little group chat going and they alerted me that there was new ones up from Naomi Campbell, the famous supermodel, and Troy Savan, the darling little singer boy. So let's start with Naomi's. She did a tour of her Honestly, I couldn't even call it a house. It's literally like an African resort paradise. It's in Kenya. It's this sprawling, multiple houses, land. It's all open air, no air conditioning. She says AC causes wrinkles, so I'm fucked because I crank my AC. I fight with Mackenzie, my sister, about it. I like to be wrapped up in sweaters and blankets and freeze my ass off when I'm in my house. And you have to make that pretty low when it's 95 degrees outside of the walls, you know. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm just going to be a wrinkly ass mess. And she's 50 and she she literally looks younger than I do. She's so gorgeous. She's she literally looks like a goddess giving this tour of her house. She has a built-in spa with like these hydro um, relaxation tank type things. And, you know, they always say money can't buy you happiness. But I'm sorry when I slip into my old ass bathtub that the paint is literally peeling off of. And I have a hole in my bathroom ceiling because the drywall like the 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 unit above me leaked into mine and the drywall, it has a big hole in it. And I've covered it up with the decorations from one of my past parties, my love potion parties. Yeah, it's still hanging up the decorations to cover the hole in the ceiling. You can't tell me that having that spa in my house would not make me happier. (laughs) Like, I I have no words. Okay, let's move on to Troy Savan. So his was actually one of my favorites. He ended up buying a house in Melbourne, which is where Melbourne, Australia, which is where he's from uh, when the pandemic hit. And it's so calming, like lots of natural materials. It kind of reminded me in a lot of ways of the Japanese vibe that Jay Balvin's had, but it was a little bit warmer, a little more lived in, like lots of rocks and woods brought in. And he lives with his sister in Melbourne, which I thought was ironic because I also live with my sister and we are from the Melbourne area of Florida. So basically we're living the same life. And I thought his house was also gorgeous because it has such cool natural lighting and has all this ambient lighting that he and his designers took a lot of attention to. But then you get to his room and it is by far the lamest room of the house. It has forking red carpet I mean, barf. I'm just so confused by it. And I'm confused by anyone that voluntarily puts carpet into their house. And he said he put it in because it creates a warm glow. And at night, it's like a warm hug. Honey, get an area rug. Get yourself a red area rug. Why did you have to put velvet on your fucking floor? But another thing I appreciate is he brings up how there used to be a toilet in his kitchen area. So he moved it and he said he wanted to create a toilet that's like when you go to a restaurant 
and you get back from going to the restroom and you tell everyone, oh my God, have you been to the restroom yet? Because he keeps saying toilet because, you know, that's like what the Brits and the Aussies say. So he's like, you go to the toilet and you come back and you ask if they've been to the toilet because it's so cool. And I have to say, uh, plug to Oshimoko and Ruffian in New York City. Those are two of my favorite bathrooms of all time. Oshimoko, I'm probably saying Oshimoko, Osho. I'm saying that so wrong. Now I'm like doubting that's even the name of it. It's like in a walk-in restaurant in in Brooklyn. But anyways, they have a disco ball in there. It's very cool. And isn't it just crazy to think that Troy started out as a YouTuber? I mean, it really gives me hope for myself if I'm being completely honest. Moving on to some celeb baby news. Uh, there were some other bursts, but the one I really cared about was Brenda Song and Macaulay Culkin. You might know Brenda Song as London Tipton on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody if you're a younger listener. And you might know her from The Social Network as the crazy girlfriend on that. That was a great, She was great in that role. And then obviously Macaulay Culkin, Kevin Allister, McAllister? Matt Allister? McAllister from the Home Alone series. I mean, he's Macaulay Colgan. You know who the fuck he is. Uh, they had a baby, and it's so sweet but so sad, and I can't believe I didn't know this, that uh, Macaulay Colgan's sister passed away when she was only 29 because she got hit by a car. Did you know that? No. Neither did I. I had no idea. And she would have been, um, I believe she would have been about 43 today. Uh And so her name was Dakota, and they named their baby girl Dakota. So I thought that was so sweet, but also just really heartbreaking and fucked up, and I had no idea that happened. All right, we finally made it to our first article of the day, Goodbye New York by Heather Haverleski. So crazily, Heather, who writes the Ask Polly, uh, the advice column at The Cut, is moving solely onto her own Substack newsletter. She's leaving New York Mag, and it really feels like the end of an era, and I felt like we had to mention it on here. So she writes that writing for New York Magazine has been the best job I've ever had, and over the course of my six years here, Ask Polly has had the smartest, most open-hearted readers I've ever encountered. And she mentions that she wrote about murderous in-laws, and that is actually the only Ask Polly story we've covered on here, even though I frequently read them. I, she She's an amazing writer and really just gets the heart of it every time. But shit, the murderous in-laws was a wild one, and I still can't even fully believe that it was true. Because it's just so out there and so messed up. But if you need a refresher, this poor woman woman writes in that her in-laws were trying to kill her by sneakily putting mushrooms in her food when she had a deadly shroom allergy. What the fuck? Oh, do you didn't? Oh, I guess you didn't listen to my early episodes, Kenzie, because I definitely talked about that on here. Well, I, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> that I remember that was a Verge request. That was one of Verge's first requests. Who she's a, a loyal listener still, and she wanted me to talk about that article. And it really, I, it went really viral because I think so many people were just shocked by it. And like I said, to this day, I don't even. It, it's hard for me to get my mind around it being true, but it, it was written so earnestly. It, she was literally like, they just they'll put like the the mushroom seasoning from Trader Joe's on everything, and she's like, they don't even like mushrooms. So how can I not think that they're trying to kill me? But uh, I wanted to leave you with these words from Heather because she really has a way with words and I thought they were a really nice sentiment. And she says, I feel like my calling is to remind my readers that their quirks and even their flaws are what make them divine. 
Please, no matter what else you do, never stop listening to that long-buried, stubborn voice inside you that believes in joy. That voice knows that you don't have to change a thing about yourself to be happy or find love or have a good life. You just need to slow down and listen to the wild, pure magic inside you. When you trust that magic, you'll discover that you're a million times more brilliant than you thought you were. And this broken world is full of love for you. It's just waiting for you to open your eyes. Oh, I just isn't that darling I just love it so go subscribe to her new newsletter you can find it by clicking on the link to her article in the show notes and moving on to our next article of the day the woman behind Megan McCain's hairstyle speaks by Erica Smith I have to preface this by saying I don't watch the view I never have but I know Megan McCain is on it and I know that there's been a lot of attention about her hairstyles as of late And along with that, I knew the general sentiment was that the internet thought that her hairstylist was punking her and just trying to make her look bad and embarrass her, basically. And I was confused because I saw some of the styles and some of them, I would say, are very festival inspired because you'll have like the space buns or one day she did a glitter part. Uh, She did the things where you put the little charm things like the little rings inside, which I think all of those are so cute. I thought they were all really beautiful and fun and outside the mold a little bit of what you would normally see on kind of a morning talk show that's in the vein of The View. And I really felt like there was an element of fat shaming to this because Megan has a sort of full face and she just had a baby. And I felt like people were implying that she could not or should not wear certain styles because of her face shape and to me that's so fucked up and she has like a really gorgeous face and again I don't I don't really know much about Megan McCain and I'm not trying to like stan her in general but I thought her hairstyles were really cute like period bottom line so I was very excited to hear from her hairstylist and her name is Carmen Curie And Erica starts out the article by saying this. She says, weekdays at 11 a.m., something mesmerizing happens on a little channel called ABC. The view airs, and all eyes find themselves unwillingly transfixed upon the head of Meghan McCain. There, instead of the typical broadcast down-do, you'll also often find a variety of bleached blonde hairstyles that regularly elicit questions from the public, mainly, pardon? Why? What is happening? And who did this? So Carmen assured Erica that her intentions are pure and not passive aggressive. She quote says, I'm not slapping something on her and being like, take that. I'm not telling her what to do all the time. It's not like that at all. I want her to feel comfortable. I want her to feel confident with what I'm doing and I want her to like it overall. And she does. I think it shows. And that's part of what people are picking up on. And then Megan McCain actually tweeted from her Twitter People have a lot to say about me in general, but in regards to my hair and makeup, I'm just having fun switching up, playing around and experimenting. It's COVID and I just had a baby. Let a bitch live. And I mean, honestly, let a bitch live. Let her be experimental with her makeup. We want to bitch and moan about so many things that women do. And someone wears an experimental hairstyle that obviously I'm sure Carmen puts a lot of time and thought into and people want to bitch about it and call her out on it it's so strange to me and Carmen also explained to Erica that in the past she 
was already working for ABC News, so that's why she's now working for Megan. She kind of just got pulled over to The View. And she was doing a lot of political pundits' hair, and I was looking at her Instagram, and she did Nancy Pelosi's hair. So, I mean, damn, let this girl have some creative freedom. She is doing that normal, like, rich mom, little swoop out at the end. Can she put some hair charms in? Can she live? Can, can Carmen live? And she says, I like to stay on trend, but I like to put my own stamp on things. So it's never exactly what you see on Instagram or Snapchat or all these other platforms. And my other favorite part of this article is that apparently Megan gets inspiration for some of the hairstyles that she asks Carmen for from the Real Housewives. And I just have this image of Megan like scrolling through Dorit's Instagram and being like, that one. (laughs) And I just, that really fucking delights me. All right, next article. Not everybody appreciates those House of Gucci set pics by Claire Lampin. Now, remember a few weeks back when we chatted about Adam Driver and Lady Gaga being in the House of Gucci movie and how huggable Adam Driver looked and he never looks huggable in my opinion? Well, as the headline of this article says, not everyone is so happy about this movie or the pictures. This woman named Patrizia Gucci has spoken to the Associated Press on behalf of the Gucci family. Now, this gets a little confusing because Lady Gaga plays Patrizia Reggiani, and she put a hit out on her husband, Mauricio Gucci, to have him murdered. Now, Patrizia Gucci, who's speaking to the Associated Press, is Mauricio, the murder guy's second cousin. Okay, so she's not related to Patrizia Reggiani, the one who put the hit out. And I feel bad for Patrizia Gucci on feeling like this is an intrusion of her family's privacy. I mean, someone in her family was literally murdered, and I can't imagine the pain with seeing that splashed across Hollywood and consumed and used to make money. I mean, really, put yourself in that shoe and those shoes, and it just feels so invasive and wrong, even though this did happen years and years ago. If the family really didn't have a say on going forward with this, I I feel their pain on that. But what cracks me about cracks me up about this and what I do feel comfortable making a little levity of is her comments about the actors who play certain family members in this movie. So she says the following. She takes particular issue with the casting of Aldo Gucci, which is um, her grandfather, and he's played by Robert De Niro. And she says, (laughs) I wish I could do an Italian accent. Kenzie, do you want to read these lines? My grandfather was a very handsome man, like all of the Gucci's, and very tall, blue eyes, and very elegant, she explained, again, on behalf of the whole family. He is being played by Al... Oh, I'm such an idiot. I just said he was played by Robert De Niro. <laughs> He's played by Al Pacino. I'm sorry, I'm messing up my my mob, my mob guys. Yeah, at first I was like, Ro- Robert De Niro, he's handsome. Yeah, he's handsome. Oh, Al Pacino is looking pretty rough right now. Like, he's definitely, he's getting up there in years, and he was never, like, really a looker. So she said he's being played by Al Pacino, who is not very tall already, and this photo shows him as fat, short, with sideburns. Really ugly. (laughs) And then Jared Leto plays Paolo Gucci, and Paolo's actually iconic to the Gucci brand because it was his idea to have the interlocking Gs And he did a lot of the iconic styles that kind of, you know, you associate with Gucci to this day. But let me tell you, they really uglied up Jared for this role. I mean, 
look up a picture, Google it. He is bald on the top with little wispies on the side. He must be wearing prosthetics because until I saw a photo labeling this as Jared Leto, I had no idea it was him. It looks nothing like him. And this is what Patrizia had to say about that. <laughs> oh, wait, I copy and pasted the wrong part. Well, basically, she said that it was just horrible. Like, she was so disgusted by Jared Leto, and she just could not even bear to look at him. Um, and again, he really is ugly. Again, Google it. Oh, Kenzie just Googled it, and she just audibly gasped. <laughs> Yeah, because Jared Leto is not my favorite either, but I would say he's an objectively, like, pretty boy, and they made him look truly heinous. So she barely even had words for it. She was just like, it's horrible, horrible. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then I was reading the actual AP News article where she gave the quotes to, and it enlightened me to the following fact. The Gucci family has not been involved with the Gucci fashion house since 1993 when Maurizio sold his remaining stake to the Bahrain-based company. Wait, Bahrain? 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 Okay. InvestCorp. It was later bought by the French group PPR, which is now Caring. So that's spelled K-E-R-I-N-G. So imagine my utter shock when I go to read an article about Salma Hayek having a pet owl, and that pet owl is named Caring, K-E-R-I-N-G. Yes, first she has a pet owl, so let that sink in for a moment. And then the reason why it's named Caring is because her husband is Francois-Henri Pinault, the chairman and CEO of Caring, i.e. the same company that now owns Gucci. If you had told me I was going to be able to connect an article about Gucci murders and Salma Hayek's owl, I wouldn't have believed you. But here we are. Just a moment I wasn't expecting. And apparently she bought the owl for her husband for Valentine's Day, but he wanted nothing to do with it. So she just sort of chills with it and like watches TV with it. And she had this to say. Sometimes when she is really close to me, I can feel her rubbing against me, which is really nice. And I feel so blessed. (laughs) I mean, that's cute. But like, Salma, why'd you buy an owl? Like, it's literally just because like the Karen's little logo, its little mascot is an owl. And like, so I I get it, but I don't. And I, I don't think anyone should be having owls as pets. Like last time I checked, those are wild animals and they're not domesticated. And this is not Harry Potter. And that's not Hedwig. He's really cute though. Yeah, he's really fucking cute because owls are cute. But like, let's not do that. Let's not condone that behavior. It's a sure it is. Sure, Jan. <laughs> Uh, staying on the murder and intrigue train for a second. And something that I thought was very in line with last week's, I think about this a lot that Kenzie and I talked about. I want to talk about Kristen Smart. So this article is called 24 years after Kristen Smart vanished, two men have been arrested by Amanda Arnold. Before I get into this article, I want to remind you how last week we were talking about detectives in fictional films and how they're usually so much better than what you hear about in actual real life cases and how we decided that we would want podcasters to solve our mystery. Well, lo and behold, a podcast has had a hand in solving this old cold case of Kristen Smart. She went missing 24 years ago when she was walking home from a college party. She went to Cal Poly and 
Paul Flores was one of her classmates. And at the time when this went down, he admitted to walking her home part of the way that night but he said he didn't know what happened to her and he was deposed and i'm pretty sure they even tried to get him to take a plea deal so i think they believed very strongly that he could have been involved but they couldn't pin it to him and so he was never nailed down for her murder it again became a cold case because they just could not figure out who actually did it and honestly they to this day they've never found her body and they just declared her legally dead in 2002 because it had been so many years and nothing had been heard from her. So fast forward to 2019 and a man named Chris Lambert, he's a freelance journalist. He started a podcast called Your Own Back Backyard. And it's about Kristen's disappearance and it spurred a lot of renewed interest in her case and it led to a lot of leads and a lot of people calling in. And then earlier this week, both Paul Flores, the dude who walked her home all those years ago, and his dad were arrested in relation to her murder. And the theory is that the dad helped his son cover it up. And I also read some theories that the mom might have helped them cover it up too, but she has not been arrested yet. And it's a very sad, dark story as any murder is, but hopefully there's some closure and a little bit of bittersweet happiness for the family, finally having some answers. And again, I mean, the power of podcasts, like all mine will probably succeed in is making you think about celebrities you had no desire to think about and like having to listen to me wanting to go to MGK's concert in Jacksonville next week. But, you know, it's something. (laughs) We're not solving crimes here, but it's something. All right. This very nicely brings us into this week's I Think About This A Lot. And it is how Kevin Jonas met Danielle Jonas, his current wife, mother of his children, on a cruise ship. (laughs) And I'm not joking that I think about this at least once a month. It's one of probably my most thought about celebrity factoids. Because I'm, you would think with my love of pop culture and doing this podcast that I would have a, you know, more depth of memory when it comes to stupid facts like this and I'm really good at recalling them when something reminds me of it but for some reason this one has really just lodged in my brain it's like up in the amygdala (laughs) and I didn't go on a cruise until I was in college but my siblings went on one when they were teens and they wilded out and they made friends that I think they still talk to And I mean, what teen doesn't have the dream of pulling a Mary-Kate and Ashley, having a hot girl summer while they're still in their braces, wilding out on a cruise ship? And now I don't know if Danielle had braces at the time, but baby girl lived the dream. She literally meets him on a cruise ship and they are married. So I got this little excerpt that I'm about to read to you from People.com, but I think it's a little misleading because... My recollection of this story is that the Jonas Brothers were already famous. They were already on Disney Channel when Kevin and Danielle met on this cruise. So it says, before the Jonas Brothers made it big, Kevin and Danielle met while both families were vacationing in the Caribbean. At the time, Danielle had no idea that she had just met a member of what would become one of the biggest bands of the early 2000s. The year 3000 performer got Danielle's number from her older sister and stopped at nothing to make a connection. Wait, this also doesn't say that they met on a cruise, but like they definitely met on a cruise. cruise. And Joe, I want to say Joe hit on Danielle first. Yes, that is. That was the story. I think he said that at their wedding. Yeah. And 
Kevin said, you know how you're supposed to meet somebody and call like two or three days later? Well, I cyberstalked her after we met and cyberstalked to see what flight she was going to be on coming home. And then I called her the minute she landed. That might have been a little overboard, but I just went for it. I mean, I have mixed feelings about this. Like on the one hand, it's so creepy and it's something that I would do to stalk Harry Styles. But on the other hand, it is very sweet and in earnest. And because they are now married... It's less creepy. And I can't imagine any male putting in that much effort for me. But again, like, I, I'm sorry for now putting this in your head because I'm afraid that you too may now think about this all the time. But I just had to get it off my chest. And again, I know I've said it a million times, but I'm still on the lookout for someone who was on the Mayor Craft, which was the cruise ship that John Mayer performed on. And I know, I just know there has to be someone listening to this podcast that was on that cruise ship. And all I want to do is interview you. It's It'll be a very safe space. If you hate the interview, we never have to air it, but at least I can sleep at night knowing that I got to speak to you and hear about your experience. So please reach out to me. You know where to find me. And with that, we've made it to today's legit shit. Okay, so my legit shit is the string thing, the string little wristlet thing that Kenzie made me. I talked about it on last week's episode, but I love it so much. And while I do feel like I'm pretending to be 22 every time I wear it out, I'm fine with that vibe. That kind of encapsulates who I am. And if you would like one, uh, maybe you should reach out to at Mackenzie Ecker and she can start a little business. I'm really trying to get her to start that. And my sister knits sweaters and those sweaters go for a lot of money. And the problem is, is that the yarn itself is really expensive and that's kind of part of the problem. And there's the labor of making it because it takes her hours. But guys, reach out to my siblings at Sheridan Ecker and at Mackenzie Ecker on Instagram and, you know, get a string. T- I don't want to call it a string tick because I'm not trying to infringe on the real string tings intellectual property, but you can get yourself a little phone wristlet from Kenzie. Honestly, she can make you just about anything. She's very creative. There's crafts constantly laying around our house right now. She's crinkling some plastic, which isn't great. Sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, same with Danny. So Sorry, I call my other sister Sheridan Danny. So yeah, reach out to them. I'll put their ads in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye. Guys, addendum to where I think about this a lot. Kenzie reminded me that the SOS music video is filmed on a cruise ship and it was filmed probably right after Danielle and Kevin met. And if that isn't some meta, like art imitating life, beauty for you i don't know what it is Ooh, this is an sos don't want a second guess this is the bottom line it's true okay bye <laughs>